when I was a boy, I can remember my grandmother, whenever we were given a tough task to accomplish or some job that was difficult, uh, I can remember an expression she would use. She would say, show him who's the boss. Show him who's the boss, she would say. So even when we were little, if there was some challenge that we faced, she would often encourage us by saying, tell him who's boss, to urge us on, to get us to do the job. The idea was that if there's a difficult thing, you should be very determined, you should give it your best effort, and you should never give up. I believe that we need that kind of thinking in our lives in general. Show them who's boss. But especially I think we need that sort of attitude in spiritual matters. We need to be determined. We need to give it our best effort. We should never give up. Today I want to look at a Bible text uh, as the basis for our study, which I think sort of gives us that sort of an attitude. It comes from the reading that Roger read just a moment ago from Romans chapter 12. And we want to emphasize especially verse 21, where it says, Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. We're going to use that statement as the basis for our study this morning, and I hope we can say some things that will help us as we strive to live the kind of lives that God wants us to live in this current world. Thank you all for being here this morning. As Joel already said, we're glad for everyone who's here. We've got a number of visitors. We appreciate you very much. We hope you come back every time you have a chance. If you have any questions, please ask them. We're trying very hard here at College View to be a church simply like the church that you can read about in the pages of your New Testament. That being the case, we think that we need Bible authority for everything we do. And so if you ask us, why do you do it that way? Why do you teach that? Why is that your practice? We would feel uh, a need to give you a book, chapter, and verse answer. A thus saith the Lord. And that's very much what we do here at College View, and that's the way we're trying to serve Him. So if you have questions at all, please ask them, and we'll try to give an answer. But we thank everybody for being here with us this morning. What about this statement, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good? I want to break that down into the two obvious halves. The first half of that statement is, be not overcome of evil. And someone might ask, how, how is it that someone might be overcome of evil? What, how, how might that be manifested in our lives? And I think there are several ways that that can happen. First of all, for instance, I believe that we can be overcome of evil when we allow the evil world to define what's right and wrong. Right and wrong are defined by God. The world does not redefine those things every time they take a whim to do so. But there's been plenty of examples. Even recently, there's been an abundance of examples where men in this evil world are trying to redefine what's right and what's wrong. Probably the thing that stands out in our minds most emphatically is the recent Supreme Court ruling that legalized same-sex marriage in all 50 states of the Union. When you think about that, that is quite an appalling thing. Uh, but for some reason or other, men believe they can redefine marriage. And they can say that now it's right when the Bible has said forever that homosexuality is wrong. And so here's a recent example of the evil world trying to define or redefine right and wrong. We can be overcome if we allow them to do that. But you know, they, this is just the latest evidence of that. As we've tried to point out several times in recent weeks, you know, when, when men began to redefine the laws of marriage that are found in the Word of God, when there's been all kinds of compromise on marriage and divorce and remarriage, 
when there's been evil that's been acknowledged as okay when we talk about premarital and extramarital sexual relationships, all of that sort of thing. The world says it's good, it's okay. That's not bad. The Word of God has said all along that it's a sin. But if we allow the evil world to redefine right and wrong for us, then we have been overcome by them. In Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20, the prophet says, Woe to them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And I want to suggest to you that we live in such a world as that today. Certainly, there are those who call evil good. And then they would also say that those who are trying to stand up for good are evil. And so they're doing the very thing that Isaiah says. And so, what will we do? If we allow that to, to, to happen, then we are overcome with that evil. We need to be careful not to let them alter our standards of right and wrong. We are overcome with evil when we are intimidated by the pressures of this evil society. We were just talking about how our world has tried to redefine right and wrong. And you know what's amazing is that a lot of people, even a, 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 a significant percentage of so-called religious people, have caved in on those very principles. And we're seeing even religious denominations as a whole endorsing same-sex marriage and the practice of homosexuality. Even ordaining ministers in their denominations that are openly practicing homosexuality. When, when religious people cave into those sort of things, when they are intimidated by the pressures of this evil society to allow that sort of thing, that is being overcome by evil. You know, it's gotten to the point where if, if you take a stand against some of these modern evils, then you are branded as being some kind of a weirdo. That somehow you are a homophobic person or a hate monger. You're, you're somehow uh, racially even prejudiced if you take a stand for the kind of things that are taught in the Word of God. And i got to tell you, if that's the way they want to represent us, they'll just have to do that because we cannot be overcome with evil by being intimidated of the pressures of this society into yielding. In Matthew chapter 25, you remember the famous parable of the talents. We won't go into all that long parable, but you remember the one-talent man? When he came back to report to his master, he said in Matthew 25, beginning verse 24, then he had received the one talent, came and said, I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Notice the reason why he didn't act was because he was afraid. What about us? Are, are we afraid to stand up for what's right? Are we intimidated by the evil world around us? If so, we are being overcome. What about being afraid? Well, you remember in Revelation chapter 21, verse 7, He that overcometh shall inherit all things. Verse 8, But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. If we're afraid, if we're intimidated by the evil world, if we're overcome in that way, then we'll pay a price eternally, as Revelation chapter 21 verse 8 says. So we can become overcome of evil by allowing a redefinition of right and wrong, by being intimidated by those who do so. But also, even in our personal lives, when we're influenced to commit some of those same evil deeds, 
You know, uh, we talked a minute ago about allowing the world to change our moral standards. I want to tell you, I really think that we're susceptible to that, whether we realize it or not. We we may not be uh, such that they could tell us that homosexuality is not a sin. Maybe we're very strong on that. But they there are other evils that the world promotes and we we become worn down by the influence of the world that is around us. Uh, uh, maybe we take the view that other people are doing these things. Everybody's doing it. In fact, most people are doing worse things than, than I'm doing. And so it's not so bad that I'm doing it uh, in comparison to the world around me. We are influenced by the evil world, you see, to commit some of those same evil deeds. Take, for instance, just the simple subject of pornography. You know, uh, we are allowing ourselves, in many instances, to be exposed to things that people of a past generation would be shocked to see. You know, because we have such access to it. It started out with TV, and the TV shows now are so horrible, so immoral. The movies, and I hear Christians talking about going and watching movies that are rated uh, R and even PG-13 and contain a lot of very illicit subject matter. And then certainly by what we allow ourselves to see on the Internet, people becoming addicted to pornography on the Internet. No. Our response to that is we will not be overcome of these evils. Everybody may be doing that sort of thing. And people may be, in our mind, doing things that are worse. But we can't allow that sort of reasoning to justify our actions. We cannot be overcome of evil. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33, it says, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. And certainly this is true. This is an evil society. This is bad company around here. And if we allow them, they will corrupt our morals. If we let them do so, we need to be on guard. In 2 Corinthians 10, verse 12, you remember Paul said, We dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. It is not a wise thing to judge yourself based upon what others around you are doing. There's plenty of evil around, but the standard is still the same, the standard of God's Word. We are overcome of evil when we're influenced to do some of the same evil things that the people of the world around us are doing. Let me suggest to you we're overcome of evil when we lose our families. We really let evil win when we let it take our families away into the evils of this world. And unfortunately, too many are doing that, and too many have done that. And they've done it by yielding, by compromising to this evil world. You remember in Joshua's day, Joshua was a great leader of God's people, and it says in Joshua, uh, Judges 2, Judges 2, beginning verse 7, concerning Joshua, and the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that overlived or outlived Joshua. And that's a great statement right there. That's a very powerful statement about Joshua and his influence. But notice, it goes on to say, And there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods. Notice, the gods of the people that were around them and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. Here's a, here's a sad situation in Israel. Joshua was a great leader, and they were faithful in the days of Joshua. They were faithful even in the days of those who outlived Joshua. But when a generation came up that did not know the Lord, 
what they do, they let the people around them influence them to begin to worship their false, idolatrous gods. It happened to them. And it can happen to us. Israel lost their families to the pagan world around them. And we can lose our families as well. We're overcome of evil if we let the evil of this world infect our families. I want to suggest to you in even a, a similar way, we are overcome with the world when worldliness infects the church. Evil wins when we are overcome, when we follow the world. I hope that all of us, if we are objective, can realize that the world is having a powerful influence on people in the church. And that we're following the trends of this world. I don't think that Christians in general are out there at the sort of the leading edge of these kind of evil deeds that we're describing in our lesson this morning. I don't think that's the case. But unfortunately, what I think is the case is as the world becomes more evil, they drag us along. And so as the, as the standards of the world deteriorate, as the morality collapses in our society, we're pulled along at, and we're following. We're allowing them to drag us along. And we see worldliness in the Lord's church today. And when worldliness infects the church, evil wins. We see that so graphically illustrated in, for instance, the kind of clothes that even Christians are wearing. Our world is infected with gross immodesty. We see people in the church being influenced by the immodest dress standards of the world. When we see uh, Christians... Uh, engaging in dancing, letting their kids go to the prom and so forth. Things that once would have easily been understood to be evil, we've allowed that to in infiltrate the church. Uh, social drinking is another subject that I'm quite concerned about. We see even Christians arguing in defense of consuming alcohol. What we got there? We got worldliness infecting the church. We are overcome. We lose. We're overcome by evil when these things happen. In Revelation chapter 3, we read the famous case of a worldly church back in the first century. You remember the Lord's statement to the church at Laodicea, unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou work cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, but and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I got to believe that that description would apply to many churches today. We need to be careful that we do not allow worldliness to infect the church because when that happens, we are overcome of evil. So, in regards to the things we've just mentioned, obviously, obviously those are things that we cannot allow to happen. Paul said, be not overcome of evil. But he says, overcome evil with good. Well, how do we do that might be the question. And I think there are several suggestions we can offer as to how we overcome evil with good. First, let me suggest that we simply need to live righteous lives in this wicked world. Live righteous lives. Do what is right. The world is evil. The world all around us is evil. But we don't have to be like them and we don't have to engage in those same kind of activities. Paul said to the Philippians in Philippians 2 verse 15, that, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. You know, when Paul described a wicked or a crooked and perverse nation, you know, you, you might even think well, he, he might have been talking about our nation. 
Of course, he wasn't, but it's certainly applicable to a nation. Here we are in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. What are we supposed to do? Be blameless and harmless. Shine as lights in this world. That's what we're supposed to do. You can do it. Even in the worst of situations, you can do it. And Paul's encouragement is that we should. Peter added these words in 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning verse 11. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage against the soul, uh, wage against, wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may on account of your good deeds as they observe them glorify God in the day of visitation. Special emphasis here on the expression, keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles. The Gentiles, obviously, they're descriptive of those who are not trying to serve the Lord faithfully. What do you do? You keep your behavior excellent. This is a challenge for us as Christians, and a point that we've made so often is it's, it's ultimately important that we do that. If the world around us sees that we're not living right, if we're not living up to what we profess, if we're not practicing what we preach, and the world around us sees that, then we're going to have very little ability to influence them for good and so live right and let people see you living right. Take a stand for God's truth. Stand up. Be counted. Uh, people around us should know where we stand on essential moral issues. Recently in the news, you heard about the county court clerk in Kentucky who uh, was arrested because she refused to administer same-sex marriage licenses. Uh, she took a stand. Some of us have debated whether that was the, the right way to go about it or not, but the fact of the matter is she let her, she let her position be known. One way, or the, one way or the other, we need to do that. We, let, we need to let people know where we stand. In Psalm 119, verse 46, it says, I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings and will not be ashamed. Uh, the psalmist said, I don't care who. I, I'll let anybody know where I stand. I, I'll, I'll speak of thy testimony before kings. I will not be ashamed. Uh, are we ashamed? Or will we take a stand? Will we let people know what we believe? In Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, you remember the famous statement by Jesus, Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt of the lost savor, wherewith shall it be salted, it is thenceforth good for nothing, but be cast out and be trodden under foot of man. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. You remember the famous statement. You know that we're supposed to be salt, a preservative in this world. We're to be a light. Uh, we're to illuminate or make people understand to inform them of God's truths. We need to be salt and light. And we can't do that if we allow the world to overcome us, to be overcome by evil. We've got to be salt and light. We've got to take a stand and, and let our stand be known. What else can we do? How can we overcome evil with good? Remember, that's, there's two simple parts to that statement. Don't be overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. How, how will we do that? Well, let me suggest one practical way of overcoming evil in this world is convert the lost. Uh, if we can bring people out of the world, then for, for those people and for that much, we have overcome evil with good. We need to be busy trying to convert the lost people of the world. Uh, not just in general, but in a practical way, we need to be working to convert people we know within our sphere of influence. By converting them, we overcome evil with good.
In Jude verse 23, there is the expression, save others, snatching them out of the fire. And that's a pretty good way to think about it. You know, if you saw somebody who fell into a physical fire, you would do your very best to save them from that. Or how often have we heard in the news of someone who rushed into a burning house to snatch someone out of the fire? Well, spiritually speaking, people's houses are on fire. We need to snatch them out of the fire. We need to save them uh, from eternal damnation. Convert others. We'll be overcoming evil with good. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 beginning, it says, God spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. Notice that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. What was Noah doing? He was trying to save some of the lost people in his time. It was a very bad day. All the world was evil. Uh, everyone, everyone, literally, except Noah and his family, were given over to evil. God was going to destroy all of mankind. And yet Noah, as he was busy building the ark, was also preaching righteousness. Even as bad as the world was in his day, he was trying to save some. And we should be trying to do that as well. We can't overcome evil with good by seeking to convert the lost. Closely associated with that, with that I would say we need to overcome evil with good by securing our own families. For sure do this, you know. We need to reach out to our neighbors, to our co-workers, to people right in our own community, to lost people all over the world. Let's do that. But by all means, save your own family. We were talking about Noah a moment ago. He at least did that, didn't he? Apparently he didn't convert anybody else, but he was able to save his own family. And we need to make every effort to do that too. I'm afraid that sometimes we don't pay enough attention to, to securing the spiritual well-being of our own children, our own families. We need to work hard at that. As we said earlier, if we lose our families to this evil world, we've really lost. We've been overcome. Don't let that happen. Secure your own family. You remember the famous quote of Joshua. We just said earlier what a great man and great example Joshua was. This is no doubt the most famous quote from Joshua. In Joshua 24:15. If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Notice the, the, the emphatic nature of Joshua's positive statement. Yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't uncertain about that. And he said, I'm going to tell you how it's going to be. With me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Unfortunately, I, I've seen so often, and you probably have too, situations where people who are Christians allow their children to engage in all kinds of activities that they don't want, they don't agree with them. Uh, they wouldn't do that themselves, but they let their children do that. Even while their children are in their house. I'll tell you, as for me and my house, Joshua said, we will serve the Lord. We need to have that same kind of emphasis. We need to be just that positive, securing our family from this evil world. If the evil, if we're overcome with evil, if, if, if the world gets our families, we have really lost. Secure your family. Overcome evil with good by supporting your brethren. You know, this place right here, when we're together with God's people uh, in the church, this ought to be a place of refuge. This ought to be a safe place for us. This ought to be a place where we're built up, encouraged, edified, strengthened. Just yesterday, uh, passed a place that said, 
wildlife refuge. Yeah. This place was a wildlife. What, what, what is that wildlife refuge? But that place was teeming with all sorts of game. Monty would have loved to go gone hunting in that wildlife refuge, but no, you can't go hunting in there. There's no hunting. You can't kill anything in a wildlife refuge. It's a refuge. Get it? You don't, you don't kill things. You don't go hunting for things in a wildlife refuge. Well, this church ought to be like a refuge. We ought, this ought to be a safe place to us. This ought to be a place where we do not fear to be attacked, especially by our own brethren. This ought to be a safe place, a refuge. If we allow evil to overcome us, then we begin to bite and devour and attack one another. But we overcome evil with good, but instead of that, we support one another, encourage and build up one another. The church should be a refuge and a safe place. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13, the Hebrew writer says, Exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Work together to build one another up. Keep the church strong. And doing that, we'll be overcoming evil with good. And finally, let me suggest to you, just don't ever give up. Never give up. This is not going away. The challenges that we've been describing this morning are here to stay. They're not going to get better. They're probably going to get worse. But that's not new. We're not new in that. Uh, God's faithful people have been dealing with those kind of challenges forever. The message to us is don't give up. Don't give up. Keep on moving forward. The Apostle Paul, in Acts chapter 20, he was on his way back to Jerusalem. And there had been lots of indications as he was heading back that way that trouble was going to be there when he got to Jerusalem. And in Acts chapter 20, when he was speaking to the elders from the church at Ephesus, he says, now, verse 22, Now behold, I go bound in the Spirit into Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. Notice he says, But none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy in the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Paul said there's lots of indications that bad things might happen, but I'm going to tell you, that doesn't, that doesn't sway me. I'm not moved by that. I'm determined to finish my course and to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to have that same attitude. We will not give up. We will keep on keeping on. And so, in Romans chapter 12, verse 21, there's a really simple statement with two simple halves to it. Be not overcome of evil. The fact that we're warned about that certainly implies that the possibility exists that it could happen. Be not overcome of evil. We talked about just some of the ways that might happen. But on the other hand, overcome evil with good. And there's some real practical ways that we can overcome evil with good. I hope that we will all be working hard to do that. Thanks for your good attention to what we've had to say. We're going to end the lesson with a song of invitation as we sing this song. Think about yourself and your life. Have you allowed yourself to be overcome with the evils of this world? If you're not yet a Christian, then that's right where you are. You are in, you, you are overcome. You are alienated from God by the sins of your life, and that needs to be remedied. That remedy is made available through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, and you can access that blood and have the forgiveness of sins by obeying the simple gospel plan of salvation. Upon hearing the truth, believe it. Repent of your sins. Confess your faith in Jesus. Be baptized for the remission of sins. If we can help you in that obedience this morning, we want to do so. 
if you're a Christian already, but you realize that you've slidden back and you've gotten back into the influence of the evil world around and you've been doing things that you shouldn't do as a Christian, we beg you, come back to Him in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help in any way, let us know while we stand and sing this song. Yeah.